And I'm so excited to have an incredible group of people to join us on the Think Tank. We've got former Chief of Police Mark Saunders, broadcaster Stephanie Smythe, and former mayoral candidate Mitzi Hunter. Hello to all three of you. Hey, good morning. Hi, good morning. I'm so glad to have you here. Uh, sadly, though, we're going to start with a, a story that uh, is just, it's its a tragedy to the nth degree. Uh, uh, the um, A shooting in North York with completely innocent victims. We've got a little bit of audio. Let's play this. Nothing in our investigation has shown that they are in any way affiliated to a gang or anything of that nature. Uh, they were completely and utterly innocent, and, and which is a, a big part of what has caused alarm in this community. So we're going to start with, obviously, the former chief of police, uh, Mark Saunders. When you hear something like this, when you hear that a, a, a violent crime like this happens in a community, what 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 do you think first? No, listen, it, it is nothing short of frightening. And, and when you invoke that much terror on an entire neighborhood, and I'll go further, an entire city, um, necessary actions have to be taken. And what I'm glad about this, even though I'm so sad at the fact that we lost a father of four and then a 16-year-old man is going to have life-altering changes. But Andy Singh, I know that commander at 31 Division, former homicide investigator, you wouldn't want a better commander in that division right now. And make no mistake that he will use every single resources and in, in help with the chief to make sure that this person is identified and located in the community will step up to the plate, too, because nobody wants this person out there right now. And I hope we get results sooner than later and this gets resolved. Yeah, M- Mitzi Hunter, I have to assume that that entire community is feeling uh, is, 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 is scared right now. So what would you, what would you tell them? What would you want to have happen in that community right now? Yeah, for sure. And, and this is a community, actually, that is slated for revitalization and renewal. So there, it was a community that was looking forward to investments. And this has rocked the Driftwood community. And, and I can just imagine the fear, the concern. You know, these two individuals were just standing at a bus stop. What could be more normal than that? And, you know, the sense of safety in this city is something that every person has to care about. And it's an issue of gun violence that has to be addressed. And we know that the police are responding and, and doing that in an appropriate way. And we also need to make sure that we tackle these issues by making investments in neighborhoods and in communities so that we can have long-term solutions for these types of issues. Stephanie, it's one thing to see sort of smash and grabs in malls where people are, are steal cell phones or jewelry. That, that's, that's one thing. But this, mm-hmm. is the, this is the height of violent crime. And it is, it, you don't have to live in North York to be afraid right now. Right. It, it's absolutely, you know, horrifying in many ways, right? And we're going to be hearing a lot about this from the community. Obviously, the media is going to have huge uptake on this constantly because it stokes the fear and the story and the worry. Um, you know, I still have questions about it. I know that the suspect is in a stolen vehicle. I know Mark would probably be able to speak a little bit more to, okay, what information do they know about this? How random is it really? Like, what I just, I find it so on the one hand, absolutely upsetting and devastating for the families and so sad and for the whole community. On the other hand, I find it so, it's absolutely so random. I don't understand why it would happen. I just want to know what else could be at play here with random shooting. Someone just like, you know, with a stolen vehicle and, and shooting a gun. It just makes no sense to me. Absolutely no sense. That's what's so upsetting about it. And that's why everybody feels so helpless. All right. Well, let's pivot to something that should put a smile on everybody's face, whether you agree with it or not. 
the Get It Done Act is the greatest name of any piece of legislation that I've heard of in a very long time. And I, I'd love to ask, uh, I'd love to ask you, Stephanie. Um, I think one of the things that they've got going for them is the clear messaging in on so many fronts in this piece of legislation. It's easy to explain to people. And if you are against it, it's very hard to explain why you're against it. That's at least my opinion. Or is it the Get It Undone Act? (laughs) (laughs) Right? I mean, they're things that they've got to undo. You know, uh, Bill 124, you were talking about it with Sabrina and Angie. There's mistakes that have been made. Sure, there's always been wonderful messaging from the Ford government. No question. All along, you can't compete with that in many ways or disagree with that. But there are things that mistakes that have been made. And, you know, the government is now going to try to, to, you know, backtrack, walk back things. So, you know, the get it done versus undone. I don't know. The messaging is great, but everybody's got to read between the lines. Mitzi, there's the politics and there's the policy. The politics of this, I think, are pretty good for the conservative government. The uh, the policy, maybe that's up for grabs. Well, you can't ignore the policy because, you know, what have they gotten done? Uh, nothing. It, <laughs> you know, this is about undoing their mistakes. And so that's what it, it brought to mind. You know, even before I started hearing all the parodies that were being created, I'm like, they've gotten nothing done. You know, they've the green belts. Remember, that was supposed to fix housing and they had to walk that back. billion scandal, which is still being investigated by the RCMP. And, you know, you look at all of the the things, whether it's Bill 124 and and other things that haven't helped. We we have a teacher shortage. We have frontline healthcare nursing shortage. You know, this is is not looking good for the government. So these types of, um, you know, headlines, getting it done, I don't think it's helping them because I know that when people go to emergency rooms, they want to make sure that it's open. And in a lot of places in Ontario right now, they don't have that certainty. Mark Saunders, the last word on the Get It Done Act is yours. Yeah, no, these are early days. And listen, they won the election on getting it done. And, and so, look, they're resetting and they're going to build again. And what the voters want is simple. Affordability. Is this a government that is, understands and recognizes affordability and is making key decisions right now? Groceries, gas, all of those things. Jobs. We need jobs in the city and our jobs going to be created. And then the last piece is going to be infrastructure. Our infrastructure is old and tired and we need to deal with the growth of this province. And are you going to be doing that? So we can say whatever we want. Election time is going to be who delivered the most and whether or not it appeals to the voter of Ontario. All right. I want to move to uh, Justin Trudeau's position. Uh, He was asked about the Arrive Can app and the scandal, the ensuing scandal. And this is what he had to say about who's to blame. There continue to be ongoing investigations, both uh, external and otherwise, into the contracting process. Uh, It is obvious that uh, the contracting process rules were not followed uh, in this case, and we need to make sure that there is accountability and transparency around that. But let us remember uh, that during the pandemic, uh, we were reaching out to try and keep people safe, keep people alive, uh, make sure that our economy didn't falter at a time where uh, everything was in question. Even in those most difficult times, we need to make sure the rules were followed. Uh, When uh, public servants, in this case, did not follow the rules adequately, there there are investigations and there will be consequences. Oh, Mitzi, I hear that. And I hear the prime minister throwing the public service under the bus. What do you think? 
under the bus. No way. On this one. The investigation hasn't even happened and he's already blaming them. (laughs) Well, it's underway. There are rumblings about it because there's a failure to follow the procurement rules. Clearly there was. There's cost overruns, the oversight of the implementation, you know, building in other activities that had nothing to do with the app that were just IT in general. None of this is acceptable. So the investigation has to play out for sure. But people are going to have to be held accountable. And I, I believe that's what the prime minister was saying yesterday. Mark Saunders, when you hear that, what do you think about where the buck stops? I think someone should be going to jail. When you look at the difference in, in price, millions and millions of dollars, especially times like this, um, it, it, it to me, it just reeks of some sort of criminality and someone was getting their pockets lined and, and there has to be a significant consequence. So, you know what, let's do the investigation. Words are nice. Let's get those deliverables and turn it around sooner than later because they didn't start this investigation. It was the opposition that compelled the investigation to be started. So, I won't forget that starting point, but I will remember the conclusion of this. Uh, Stephanie Smythe, I I hear the Prime Minister talking about let let us not forget uh, that we are trying to keep people alive. All true. Every government in the world is trying to keep people alive. Mm. The Arrive Can app did not keep people alive. No, exactly. (laughs) And when I hear a former police chief saying someone should go to jail, I'm, you know, listening to that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know what? And the thing is, we just have to keep our eye on this one because it's unbelievable what happened. And and that the prime minister is saying it and criticizing or pointing the finger as he is right now shows he's scared. They're frightened. Something is not good here where he has to, you know, automatically point the finger in another direction. Um, It just it shows how much goes on in government. We have no clue, right, in the public service, whatever. And it's the accountability that has to be followed through on. And this is where I do the pitch for journalism, which is dying, sadly. So, listen, we just have to just keep paying attention for accountability, follow up, and exactly, you know, follow the money to who who was able to benefit from this and in what way. And to Mark's point, is there criminality involved? It's, it's so disheartening, right? And, and everybody feels so powerless. And, and Mitzi, look, I, I, I don't want to be overly partisan about this, but nobody, uh, nobody asked for the Arrive Can app. And I'm pretty <laughs> sure, I'm pretty sure that no other country in the world tried this out during the pandemic. We were the, it was the Canadian exception. And, and uh, opposition parties were saying, we don't need this. We don't need this. And yet we got it. And now we are dealing with the ramifications of, of, this, of the ensuing scandal. So who has to wear this? Yeah, I mean, at the time of the COVID, I, a lot of things were being tried. And, and point of entry into the country was a major risk factor because we knew that this virus was circling the world. And, and we wanted people to have a method of attestation. Are they healthy or not? So. You know, I could see that someone came up with the idea of an app and here it was supposed to be a very simple solution. Turned out not so simple, particularly in how it was rolled out. It was a, a huge pain for people, particularly if they had to be quarantined at hotels as a result. And and it, it just it was a, a huge burden. But so were many other things during COVID. That does not excuse how it was developed and the procurement process. And, and that's what the issue is today. All right, let's uh, shift our attention to Belleville. This is not a big town. And the number of overdoses that that town has been dealing with would would put British Columbia to shame. Uh, this uh, This is a crisis the likes of which I don't even think I can wrap my head around. And I think we've got I think we've got some audio of Omar. Well, they've been pleading for help for a while now, as you mentioned, since November. And this crisis has been kind of unfolding and 
it's not himself, it's unfortunate in some sense that it took so many overdoses for us to get that national attention, but at the same time he thanked the media because he knows this crisis isn't going anytime soon and, and it's going to get worse. Mark Saunders, there is no easy answer to how to deal with this. This is intersecting crises upon intersecting crises. Uh, if if you were if 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 you were in control of the purse strings at Queens Park, what would you do right now? Well, you know, government has to work together on this. And the methodology right now, there are gaps. But the thing that was unique with this, Ben, was that it was a drug I spoke about many months ago while I was on the campaign, and that's Trank. So when you're mixing tranquilizer with opioids, Narcon does not work. It, it will help with the opioids, but it does nothing for that tranquilizer. And it's in all of the major states right now. We saw this coming, and it, it is now here. So it's a zombie drug, and the problem with it is that you will be unconscious because your breathing slows down, your heart rate slows down for hours. And in this winter weather, it's almost a death card. So we have to figure out the methodology for people that are living with addiction. When it comes to the government right now, the local governments tend to put a lot of money in towards the consumption. That treatment and rehabilitation has to be united with it with the same intensity. And if not, we're going to be in trouble. And, and, you know, Toronto, when we sent a letter to the federal government saying, you know, what, we want to decriminalize all of the drugs, no age at all. Um, I think we've got a problem with A, the methodology and how we do it. And then B, the ability to work in concert in order to solve this problem. Stephanie Smythe, have you ever okay. seen such an intense uh, drug crisis in such a small town? Well, never. But I think what I have been noticing, and this is just me having traveled to smaller towns, they are not immune at all to any drug issues that we're seeing in the big city. So if the big city is having problems and we can't get proper funding for whatever we might need here when it comes to addictions, uh, harm reduction, etc., I can't imagine how, how difficult it is for a town like Belleville, Kingston, all these smaller towns, which, again, are absolutely not immune to these problems. It's just, you know, a smaller scale in a sense, right, but maybe not in Belleville. So I think this is just a wake-up call that this crisis is intensifying and it is absolutely everywhere. And to Mark's point, there's got to be some kind of strategy that's going to pull it all together to, to, to get a handle on this because it's not getting any better and it's not going anywhere, not going away anytime soon. And, and Mitzi Hunter, it's, it's A, they're not immune, but B, they don't have the requisite skill set to deal with this crisis. Yeah, neither do they have the responsibility for healthcare in this province. That responsibility is with the premier and his minister of health. So Belleville is simply the canary in the coal mine. And there are many, many, many communities across the province that are struggling under this burden and they need coordinated help and support. And what Mayor Neil Ellis has done is actually put forward and gifted the province a solution. So there's a facility, it's being renovated and retrofitted with the city's own dollars. And they're simply asking for the ongoing operating costs of this health facility, which is going to be offering the detox center, which um, we know is important as part of the treatment and rehabilitation. And the province is dithering and not doing anything about it, thinking that this problem is going to go away. In the meantime, it's just getting more and more prevalent in more communities across this province. And I think Mayor Ellis is right to sound the alarm and say that something has to be done. Well, the mayor told me, he said he can't wait a month. And so they are going to go ahead and, and start paying for this, uh, this, uh, this hub that they need. And they'll figure out how to pay for it later. 
All right, let's speak. And, and he should. He should keep track of those bills, those health care dollars, and send the premier the bill at the end of the year. All right, well, let's talk about paying for stuff because fines for Toronto parking offenses could increase significantly and not not just one or two, 120 uh, parking offenses could increase significantly. This feels to me like the city has been sitting around saying, how can we get more money out of these people? Uh, Mark Saunders, am I wrong? Um, you know what? I, I, I've got to say, I'm going to put my police hat on. You shouldn't park in pro areas. People get hit. People get killed as a result of it, especially at corners. Uh, my platform, I was going to double the rates in during rush hour time, so there was traffic flow. But at the end of the day, though, what, what we have to do as citizens, when you drive a car, there is an ownership and responsibility for you, the individual. You may have to walk a little bit further, but do not park in prohibited areas. The reasons why they're illegal is because people are going to get hurt. And we have to think about that first before anything else. Oh, listen, I agree, Mark Saunders. I think if you park in a if you park where you're not supposed to park, if you double park uh, during uh, during um, a rush hour and you clog up traffic, if you park in a bike lane, if you park anywhere you're not supposed to, absolutely. uh, Let's double those fines. But overall, the fact that they are looking at increasing things from 30 to 75 dollars, Mitzi, it just seems like a cash grab at this point. For flagrant offenses, right? So, so let me tell you the story, Ben. This weekend, I went down to the auto show. So I hopped on the go and got off at Union Station and walked over to the Metro Toronto Convention Center. It was perfect. But my sister-in-law, coming from Brampton, she drove down and she paid 40 bucks to park at this event because the $30 lot was completely full. So if you have city fines that are below parking fees in the core in the financial district and for events and things like that people are just going to disregard the fine and park wherever they want to park so this is a deterrent if you don't want to pay the increase in fine just pay for parking and park properly uh, uh, what you just said makes a whole lot of sense uh, stephanie what, what what do you think of this for the flagrant for the flagrant uh, violations jack up those prices I look at it like a syntax. If you're gonna if you're gonna turn around and decide you want to disobey the parking fines, and you're you're deciding to pay a fine, you should be prepared to pay that fine. This is an easy way for the city to get more money. I have no problem with it because somebody makes a choice. And with the driving in the city right now, it is a nightmare to get around Toronto. You decide to park illegally or do anything that could impede uh, the flow of traffic, then you deserve to pay a fine. Not only that, tack on towing as well. Oh, I agree. I agree. If if you double park in a way that makes two lanes become one, we're going to take your car. We're going to take your car. Totally love that. Yeah. It's your your own fault. Too bad. I get what Mitzi's saying. I see perfectly that whole conversation. But the bottom line is, if you're going to decide to park legally, when you know it's right there, don't park here for whatever the reason might be. And you decide, no, I'm better than that rule. I'm going to park and just like, sure, nail that person with the fines. Easy money for the city. Mark, Mark Saunders, why was it so hard? Uh, I, I know that dur- during John Tory's tenure, it was so hard to get uh, traffic flowing and, and to curb illegal parking. What was the problem in this city? Well, you know what? The, the density of the population, the numbers are going up. And if you remember when we used to have the parking meters, they were assigned an hour. The reason was it was supposed to harmonize with businesses where you park because it's close to a store and then you go buy your merchandise and you leave. 
what happens is a lot of the employees show up before the business opens. They park there and they keep feeding the meter. So that displaces the consumer. And then they're parking in illegal spots to make it happen. So if everybody went about it the right way and used it properly, the parking spots on the streets would be a lot better. There'd be a lot more flow and there'd be a lot less opportunity for people to park prohibitively. But that's not the case anymore. All right. Let's talk tipping, my friends. Uh, Tipping is everywhere. You're asked to tip all the time. And I have already uh, tipped my hand and I've told Ashiba, my producer, that I tip all the time. If somebody, if the option is given, I will take it because I don't want to be that guy who doesn't tip. What, what is your stance on tipping? Uh, we'll start with Mitzi. Yeah, there's a little bit of um, strong arming going on with these uh, terminals because even, you know, I was in a, a, a little shop and I bought some candles and some just little items. And then there was an option to tip. And I'm thinking, why am I tipping? I'm just here to buy a few little grocery items. And so the, this automatic default setting that's there is a little bit of a shakedown of the consumer because they don't have that choice anymore where you actually tip because you were pleased with the service or you want to, you know, sh- express your gratitude in, in a bar or in a restaurant. It, I do think there's a bit of tip creep or tip inflation happening uh, all around. And, and maybe it is because of the affordability issue and, and things are, you know, very tight for many, many workers. But as a consumer, it does feel like a little bit of a shakedown. Stephanie Smythe, where is your line in the sand? Where do you oh. say, I absolutely will not tip in this scenario? Oh, I I hate that's the thing. I hate to be that person, right? Like it works on me. Yeah, I've got I've got to be honest. I'm I'm putting it to you, but my my answer is I tip all the time. Yeah, I do too. I just I just can't believe it when I'm getting a takeout coffee anywhere, right? It's like suddenly I'm tipping for grabbing and going with a coffee. Um, and Mitzi's one is a great example as well. The bottom line is it's going absolutely everywhere. So yeah, we have to decide, do we want to be shamed? Do we care what people think? Like, no, I'm not going to give you an extra dollar for that or dollar fifty. Like how cheap am I? Right. Um, so it really is. It's just, it, it feels always like it's a shift yeah. for a little bit of money. And I, I just fall for it and I do it, but I don't like it. And I think that but it's a sign of the times, right? The the people are people are hurting everywhere. But so. I, I I get it. But Mark Saunders, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. But we went through a very uh, a, a important debate, and we came to an important decision as a province on the minimum wage a few years ago. It, it, and, and we said we need to we need to respect those workers who are working on minimum wage. Then to see this tacked on on top of it. What what am I missing in the equation? Ben, we're missing that we're screwed because we live in a digital world. And when they look at me and see who I am, that's going to define the animal that I am. So if I don't tip, <laughs> I know it's going to be happening on Twitter, yeah. this, that, the other. So I'm just yeah. tipping every time. And it sucks because you know what? Yeah. It used to be the philosophy of if you got good service, you tip. Those days are gone now for certain people. Right. No, uh, Mitzi, Mitzi, what are your thoughts on this? We the, the minimum wage was raised, uh, and now there's tipping on top of tipping on top of tipping. Yeah, there's tipping on top of tipping on top of tipping, and I mean it. It does feel awkward and odd to first of all the the machines are pre-programmed, so you can't even skip them without asking for help. 
<laughs> yeah. Why do I have to add this extra whatever it is? And so it, it's kind of sh- shaming you a little bit in, totally. uh, in, in not tipping, right? Oh, I, I, and, I feel it every time. That's why I always I press 20% and then I yeah. run away. But then, then you feel guilty doing that. 20% is enough. Yeah. Uh, the default is now 20%. Remember when it used to be 15? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you're feeling guilty. I was out last night with uh, some friends for dinner and I felt a guilty being out for dinner and then looking at the tap or looking at the, the machine going, Oh my gosh, it was good service. That is 20 enough anymore. I don't know. And I, I look at the guy and think, Oh my gosh, this is just so awkward. It's but, just awkward. W- 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 let me take a poll of the three of you. Would you prefer living in a world where we pay a little more at the restaurant or for the cup of coffee, but tipping is outlawed? Well, that's Australian yeah. model, yeah. right? In Australia, they pay their servers well, and you don't generally tip at restaurants. But M- um, Mitzi, what does that mean? What, what would we have to pay our servers so that we wouldn't have to tip anymore? Nowhere near minimum wage, right? Mm-hmm. You want to pay them a living wage, so it's got to be over 20 bucks. And um, and so it's, it's also one of those issues where restaurants and bars couldn't even find workers um, coming out of the pandemic to do those jobs. And part of the reason is that they are low paying. So you got to increase those wages, something that's a living wage. All right. Well, listen, I want to thank all three of you, Mark Saunders, Stephanie Smythe, Mitzi Hunter. Thank you so much for joining us on Think Tank today. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks, Ben. Bye, everyone. Take care.